He's Pittsburgh-born, and we like him that way. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. This is the Adam Crowley Show. The Cinderella boy. On 970 ESPN, and now on 106.3 FM. Tom, as a Penguins fan, I'd like to run something by you. Go ahead. 09-16-2017. Rank those three championships in order of your euphoria. 16-09-17. You couldn't be more correct. You could not be more correct. 16 was just the, the reaffirmation that we could do it. You know what I mean? In 2009... I cried. I did. I was young. I was drinking beer, really, for the first time. Life was good. Just gotten laid. I mean, it was awesome. A good period of my life. The summer of woo was just that. It was wonderful. Don't pull that joke. Pull that. Don't pull the joke. Don't pull the joke. Tom, as your boss, pull that joke. Don't pull the joke. Pull the joke. Good times. But then after that, it was, oh, Crosby's an underachiever. Crosby can't get it done. These Penguins, they're just not living up to their talent. And when they won in 2016, oh, man, it was a big, fat Hulk smash right in the face of all of the people who said they can't do it again. All the haters got to eat it. And I say it all the time. I use this analogy. It's the only book that I've ever read, Flowers for Algernon. So I bring it up all the time. You don't know how good something tastes until you taste it. And in Flowers for Algernon, if you're not familiar with the plot, I will fill you in, just like Mr. Ty did to me in high school. I mean, Mr. Ty didn't fill me in in high school. He filled me with knowledge in high school. Oh, no, just talk about the book. Okay. There is a man who has mental deficiencies in the book. And at work every day, he's getting made fun of by his coworkers, and his life sucks, but he doesn't know it sucks. He has no idea. He's not intelligent enough to know that. So he thinks everyone loves him. He loves everything. Then he takes a pill. He's in a study, and it makes him super intelligent. And he finds out all of his friends and stuff suck. But they wind up liking him, and he likes them once he's intelligent, and they don't make fun of him anymore. Well, then the pill wears off, and he goes back to everything else being the same, except he now knows that the life that he lived before wasn't a good life. So the intelligence is gone, but the realization that everyone else around him sucks is there. And I think that the Penguins, after having experienced it the first time, to never then get a chance to experience it after you've gotten that taste, that blows. Washington Capitals fans, they would argue that because they haven't won, they want to win real bad. But after the Penguins got that taste, it made it that much sweeter when they won the second time. The third time in the Crosby era, I mean, oh my God, that was just cherry on top. But it's the second time. It's knowing what it feels like to win and then not being ever able to attain that again that hurts the most. And it's like a smack dealer, right? The first time he gives you the smack, not that I have any experience here, it's a great high. After that, you're always trying to achieve it again. And it was that way with the Penguins, too. 
Here's why I'm not sad today. Here's why I'm happy, despite the Penguins losing. Two years ago, the Penguins were down 3-2 to two to Tampa Bay, Eastern Conference Final. I was driving to work. I had to do a Penguins report, something I never got paid for, and had to do it at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning a lot of the times, and I couldn't drink during games. It was awful. One thing stuck out in my mind. Holy crap. After everything the Penguins had endured since 2010, it was going to end the way that it always had, with disappointment. It's what Penguins fans had come to learn and, and know after they won it in 2009. Sidney Crosby's Penguins were destined to become the 1990s Atlanta Braves. Sure, they had won a title, but they were always going to be deemed perennial underachievers. They were built to win multiple championships. But let's rewind just a little bit before we hit the fast-forward button. I, like many a Western Pennsylvania boy, grew up watching Mario Lemieux and Yamir Yager soar on the ice. I'd run up to my parents' third-floor bedroom and describe Mario's latest trick and imitate Mike Lang's goal calls. I remember on Christmas in 2003, I got a Marc-Andre Fleury coho sweater. It still hangs in my guest room closet today. It smells like cat pee. I went running from one side of the igloo to the other to watch Ryan Malone score an overtime winner in his rookie season. I loved the game. And for a while, it loved me back. Until it didn't. The X generation almost killed hockey in this town. Konstantin Koltsov, Rico Fata, Ramsey Abid. Some dude who sold blackberries was going to move the team to Kansas City, and I, still very much a young man, was crushed. The 0-4 lockout was a killer for a kid who didn't like school and needed something to get him through the winters every year. Those were awful, dark, uncertain times for hockey fans in this city. Would the team move? If they stayed, would they ever be back to prominence again? Then along came Crosby and it all changed. Finally, there was hope. The team was going to stay and maybe he could be the next Penguins captain to hoist the Stanley Cup. Well, the team did stay. He did hoist the Cup. But then, in an instant, here we go, people, like in Flowers for Algernon, it was gone. Yaroslav Halak saved a series for Montreal. David Steckel broke Crosby's brain. Marc-Andre Fleury let in some leaky goals. Claude Giroux had the baton passed to him. Jerome McGinley couldn't play the right wing. Martin St. Louis spurred on the New York Rangers. Brian Gibbons played on the Penguins' top line and stunk. Dan Bilesma never had a plan B. Henrik Lundqvist stonewalled the Penguins. They all had their hand in Penguins' post-cup failures. Note, it's probably not fair to include Brian Gibbons. But let's hit fast-forward again to May twenty-second, two 2016. I was driving to the station to do my Penguins report. Still haven't been paid. And I fully expected the Penguins to be eliminated by Tampa and fall back into the dark ages. Sidney Crosby's run was going to be looked at like the 1990s Braves. But... Thanks to a fortuitous offsides call and some clutch play, the Penguins won Game 6 of the 2016 Eastern Conference Final, and the rest, as they say, was history. Pens have been defending Stanley Cup champions for 695 straight days. Al have been married for three years come August, and I was a single man the last time the Penguins lost the playoff series. I'm like everyone Ian's in Western PA. I live and die with the Penguins, and for a while it was bumpy, but it was worth it. For the past 695 days, that team that was going to move to Kansas City has been the defending champ. This franchise has given us hockey fans more than we could have ever hoped 
during that X generation. And if you're upset today, I get it. If you're angry, I suppose that's fine, too. We all support our team differently. But for me, it's been 695 days of happiness. I'll be smiling like a butcher's dog. 412-922-2874. Up until last night, the Penguins hadn't lost a playoff series in 1,109 days. I wasn't married. I didn't have a dog. The Pirates were still good. And we didn't have a reality TV star as president. Imagine telling little Crowley then everything we know now. Oh, for the love of God. Well, Adam, here's what happens during marriage. And by the way, this guy, the Yafiad guy, he's going to be president. When you go to a funeral, the pervasing topic, that's not a word, pervading topic of conversation isn't about how the deceased got in the casket. There's usually not much talk of, yo, how this dude's head come off. The conversation usually circles around the life that person led. It's never, yo, man, he never saw that semi coming. It's more along the lines of, yeah, Jimbo was a great guy. He was a tremendous skier. I'm sorry. The Yinzer there would not have used the word tremendous. Yeah, he was a baller skier. We have plenty of time to analyze the demise of the Penguins, and we've done that to an extent on today's show. What went wrong, why it went wrong, how they're going to fix it. But I'd rather think about the historic run that this team went on. In fact, I think to do anything else other than that is a disservice to this team. They beat the Rangers, a team that had gotten in their way perennially in 2016. Lundquist, who stood on his head in 2014 and 2015, got chased and chased again. Jeff Zatkoff, that guy, was between the pipes when the Penguins won game one of that series. They had balls. They had stones, something they hadn't shown between 2010 and 2016. Then they beat the President's Trophy winning Capitals in six games, two of which came in overtime. That's balls. That's stones. That's cojones. That's chutzpah. They came from behind to beat Tampa Bay. Their captain had a signature playoff goal, which I still don't understand how the hell it broke space and time and curved into the back of the net the way that it did. Brian Rust scored two goals in the elimination game as the Igloo. Oh, see what I did there? As PBG Paints Arena went bonkers the way that the Igloo had only gone bonkers before. Sherry scored in overtime to beat the Sharks. Latang scored in game six, and the Penguins were champs again. And that Lemieux-sized monkey was yanked from the back of Sidney Crosby. Last year's run was more improbable, if that's even possible. Penguins in 2016 were the best team in hockey. The Penguins in 2017, well, that was the most mentally tough group I've ever seen. No Latang, Crosby's head broke, no Hornquist in the Eastern Conference Final, Sherry was out for stretches of the regular season, some dude named Gensel needed to play over his head, and he did. They were thoroughly outplayed in Games 1 and 2 versus Columbus, but the Flowers stood tall. They always had a way. They always found a way to pull it out. They weren't better than Washington, yet they found a way to win the series. Ottawa had the legs and the will to push it to seven games in the Eastern Conference Final, but Chris Kunitz, who hadn't scored since February, put two in the back of the net in that game. He said, F that. They won Games 1 and 2 against Nashville. I don't know how, but they did. Didn't register a shot on goal for 37 minutes in Game 2. And then in Game 6, like Chris Letang the year before, Patrick Hornquist scored and the Pens were champs again. Every moment gives me goosebumps thinking about. I never imagined that these Penguins would surpass the greatness of what Mario Lemieux's teams did, but they have. They won three. Crosby won three. Malkin won three. Letang won three. Hell, I remember just how excited I was when this team 
played Ottawa and got their asses kicked back in 2007. They were back to being relevant again. They weren't moving to Kansas City. I remember running up and down the halls of my high school when they got Hosa. I watched the Penguins win Game 4 in 2009 at a hotel lobby on prom night. A lot happened that night. The Penguins, more so than any other sports team, were my childhood. So as overtime approached last night, I thought, what's my reaction going to be if the Capitals win? I don't like them. So I thought I'd throw my beer or kick my dog, maybe drink myself into oblivion. The strangest thing happened. It was odd. The Grinch's heart grew three times that game. Kuznetsov walked in on the breakaway for the thousandth time this series. Then I smiled. I knew it was over. I let out a sigh. But then I just immediately thought of how damn great these last two years have been. You can't win them all. You can't beat 10 good teams in a row four times out of seven. It just doesn't happen in the modern age. They gave it a hell of a run. Bounce here or there, they'd still be playing. Mental laps that wouldn't have happened here or there, they'd still be playing. But they're not. And I'm not going to focus on the fact that they're not. I'm going to remember what they did the last two years. Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network, will continue to wax poetic with me next. You're listening to The Crowley Show. Scott and Laid. I mean, it was awesome. A good period of my life. The summer of woo was just that. It was wonderful. I will fill you in. Just like Mr. Ty did to me in high school. I mean, Mr. Ty didn't fill me in in high school. He filled me with knowledge in high school. Sometimes over the course of the show, I say things, we say things, and do things that we regret. In the last segment, I was trying to describe a teacher I had in high school who I dearly loved. He put up with some of my nonsense, taught me a lot, was just one of the most genuinely cool people I've ever met, and, well, here's what I said about him. I will fill you in, just like Mr. Ty did to me in high school. I mean, Mr. Ty didn't fill me in in high school. He filled me with knowledge in high school. So, we're going to continue to play those back when I do screw up. We'll continue to point out when any of us messes up. It helps us stay accountable. It's Year of Excellence 2.0. It's also hilarious. Uh, and Metzer, sorry to delay your segment with the nonsense there, buddy. Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network, joins us now. I understand. Believe me. I'm good, though. Uh, all things considered, I, I told you what I had to do today, and uh, my cousin asked me if I'd give him a shout-out. Uncle Mike Pernesi, we love you, and uh, we just had to, to bury him today, so I wanted to mention that. Yeah, uh, Mets are very kind to come on the program. I forced him to, though. I, he had to go to his uncle's uh, funeral today, and because of that, uh, I said, Mets, there's no better way to cheer you up than talk about the Penguins' uh, failures at the end of that series, huh? <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I, we, we knew that there'd be a chance we'd be utilizing, eulogizing the Pittsburgh Penguins after last night, and that's how it played out, and Kudos to the Washington Capitals, right? They did what they needed to do to get by the Penguins finally, and we'll, we'll just hang our hat on the other nine of 11 times they've beaten them. Yeah, no doubt about that, and I, I think it is important to keep all this in perspective. I wrote a piece for ESPNPGH.com about just that today, so everyone out there, check that out. The Penguins weren't going to beat 
10 good teams in a row. It's just hard to do. And you need breaks to be able to do it. You need to have your head screwed on right. And the Penguins didn't get the breaks in this series. And apart from that, Washington took advantage of every opportunity. This is the first time in a long time that when the Penguins have been eliminated, Mets, I haven't been mad about it. I feel like it's okay this time. Get them next year. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, just generally speaking, we, we've been blessed with two Stanley Cups in this city, back-to-back, five overall. Nobody else can say they've done that in the salary cap era, and people seem to have lost sight of that. I mean, there's folks talking about taking this season to their graves, which is just, I don't know where that headline even came from. It's something that I wouldn't have said about this team. We all looked at them after 16 and thought they lost a little bit heading into 17. We thought they lost a little bit coming out of that team. Well, finally... That brings you back to the pack a little bit. Stir in the fact that everybody starts to mirror your style, and everybody has a speed-based team now, and everybody has smallish, skilled forwards, and they're trying to build from within with youth. Look at this Capitals roster. They're playing with some young guys, and the Penguins almost forced them to do that by having Tom Wilson get a suspension and then a couple injuries popping up. So they, they had to go to a couple young guys who showed a lot of energy, if you ask me, in the last couple of games and did a really nice job for that team. So I'm with you. I'm not too disappointed when you look at this. I mean, you can't win every single year. It's the hardest trophy in sports to win. You've got to win 16 games to do it, which is a mini season in and of itself. So for my money, while it's disappointing to fall to the you know the hated Washington Capitals, it's time. I mean, this team needs a little bit of a, re- a reboot, a recharge, a rest period get themselves back to where they were, and I think this longer offseason is going to go a long way towards doing that. Oh, I think so too, Brian, and I had dismissed their regular season, and I said, they're going to flip the switch. They'll be okay. And to an extent, they did. They played well enough to beat Philadelphia, although Philadelphia wasn't a great team. Uh, They played well enough to push Washington to the brink. But I think some of the bad habits that they uh, wound up accruing over the regular season did rear their ugly heads, not just in this series, but in the Philadelphia series as well. And I think being refreshed and being able to fine-tune some of their bad habits or their good habits, I suppose, in the regular season next year is going to help them tremendously. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, when you look at the team, they did sort of uh, flip a switch, as you said, heading into the playoffs. They started limiting opportunities in terms of shot quantity. They led the league. I mean, right now they still lead the league in shots against per game. The problem is, that neutral zone transition that we've talked so much about, you and I have talked about it going back to probably not necessarily midseason, but it really came to the forefront for me with that Rangers comeback against the Penguins late in the regular season where uh, Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad really gave them headaches with speed and chip plays and transition plays in the neutral zone that created odd man rushes, breakaways, two-on-ones, all this kind of thing. What did the Caps do? They took full advantage of the Penguins in the neutral zone in terms of catching defensemen when yeah. they pinched at the wrong time. Also, just getting a stick check on a puck and kicking it into open space, catching the Penguins flat-footed before they could even react. Their forecheck was so tenacious in the zone, they couldn't get back fast enough before the, the shot was already on goal. So while they weren't allowing a ton of opportunities, they allowed a lot of high-quality opportunities, and that, wasn't, that did Matt Murray no favors at all. So that bad habit, I think, that started way back in the season – fit them in the playoffs, and it's unfortunate because had they tightened that up, they might still be playing hockey right now. But you know what? When you talk about breaks and everything else, Adam, it comes down to being a hard-working team, a team that's really rolling on all cylinders. And I think the Caps were doing that, and you start to get the puck luck and the bounces when you're playing like that. Yeah, you do. And Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network, joins us here on the Crowley Show. Let's stick with that 
just for a second here, Brian, I don't think that the Penguins were tired last night. I've heard some people say that maybe they threw everything that they had out there in game number five, and maybe there is some truth to that. But I thought more than anything, Washington had a really good game plan, and I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to acknowledge that maybe Washington really just wanted it more. Uh, The Penguins beat them the last two years. They felt like they were the best team in hockey the last couple of years. Eventually, they were going to have to exercise that those demons, and they had their opportunity to close it out, and they really took full advantage. Yeah, you got to give them credit. I mean, there's two teams on the ice, and I think people lose track of that sometimes. There, there, there are certain folks that look at any sport, be it football, baseball, hockey, and they, and they just assume that one team always holds all the cards. Well, you got to go out there and beat the other guys. And the Capitals have done a whole lot of soul-searching over the last couple of years. Braden Holtby's done a whole lot of soul-searching, as has Alex Ovechkin. Uh, their coach, Barry Trotz, has done it. These guys knew that I think they had a bad feeling their team would fully be changed if they didn't get it done this year. They came in locked in. Even with the depleted roster, so some people said, they managed to win the Metropolitan Division. They came into the playoffs as you know a top seed in the Eastern Conference in terms of being a number two they had home ice advantage. They were in a, They wanted to get past this round. They talked about the Penguins as being their dragon. And the fact that the bullseye was played squarely on the Penguins' backs tells you exactly what, what they had in their, in their minds of what they wanted to accomplish. When they were able to overcome adversity against the Columbus Blue Jackets, that's when I started to say, okay, this team is going to be problematic because they, they found a way to punch back there. They made the goaltending switch back to Holtby. And then every time the Penguins looked like they were going to have that moment where the Caps were going to go all capitals on us, it never happened. They came right back and scored a big goal. They got a big save. They got that big moment that typically went the Penguins' way. And that's only happened one other time, 1994, that I can remember a series going that way. They took full advantage. And like you said, they definitely wanted this one more. I mean, I think some of the Penguins would admit to that. I don't believe there was a fatigue factor because nobody on that roster, Adam, and you might agree or disagree here, but I think you will agree, then Sidney Crosby played more hockey over the last three years because he also played in the Worlds, went all the way to the championship round of the Worlds and won it. So he played at a high level then, had three seasons worth of Stanley Cup playoffs, and he was one of the Penguins' best players. So if he's not tired, I don't think anybody else had an excuse to be. If anything, there's a couple injuries we're going to find out about as this week moves forward, and I'm really curious to see what those are. Well, I think that's a really good point too, Brian. There's been a lot of talk in – uh, our friend Rob Rossi spearheading it. I love Rob. I disagree with some of the things he's been putting out there on Twitter. I don't think that this roster is as flawed as it was in 2014 and 2015, and that's the way he's kind of making it out to be. If Phil Kessel is healthy, it's different. Uh, if Broussard, I think, doesn't get hurt in the regular season, he has more time to acclimate to the Penguin style of play and uh, agree or disagree with this, Uh, Metzer, I think that Broussard played really well the last two games of this series. It looked to me like he finally was gelling. I don't think there's that many issues with this roster. No, I I don't think so either. I I think when you look at it, you've got to do something to just bolster your blue line a little bit. And and that just means having another depth defenseman available. Yeah, they maybe could have done that now, but I'm not going to beat Jim Rutherford up about that. I mean, look at what he's been able to accomplish. So that's not a problem for me. And whenever the roster was so flawed just a couple of years ago in many people's minds, they revamped and retold it simply by making one or two deals, adding one or two new faces. They can do the exact same thing this summer. They have a healthy core coming back next year. You're going to have a healthy Phil Kessel. Sidney Crosby looks like he's getting better by the season. Evgeny Malkin will be back. 
Chris Letang, if, depending on how he's utilized next year, I think he's going to be fine. You just got to, you know, you, you start to evolve people's roles a little bit as they get older. I think that might happen with him. Maybe he's not the guy that plays 25 minutes a night. Maybe he plays 19 minutes a night. He's still very effective. There's a lot to like about this roster moving forward. And I recall Rob, actually, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't always agree with Rob, and a lot of times I do. He's a friend of both of ours. Rob said going into the playoffs, if the Penguins win this year, and I forget where he said it, but he said if they win this year, I think they're done with the Sidney Crosby era in terms of cups. If they go out early this year, they revamp, retoll, and he felt they were going to win two more. Suddenly, for some reason in these playoffs, he, he's seen some things that he didn't like. And, yeah, you can really bash the Broussard deal now if you want to. It was a, maybe the big fish again. They love to go and get the big fish, and maybe a couple of smaller deals could have behooved this team a little bit better. But generally speaking, even if they bring Broussard back or they decide to move on from him, I, I still have a lot to like on that roster. I think they're going to be a very formidable foe in the Eastern Conference again next season. Oh, I agree. And I think as far as the Broussard trade is concerned, you can't accurately evaluate what it means, whether or not, or until, pardon me, after you've seen what happens next year. I mean, you get him for two years, you get him for two cup runs. Uh, I think after next year you can determine whether or not that trade was a success. Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network, joining me here on the Crowley Show. This might make some Penguins fans irritated, but after Kuznetsov slid the puck in between the pads of Matt Murray, I kind of smiled a little bit. And then when they showed Ovechkin looking up at the sky, just like, thank God, I kind of smiled a little bit too. And I don't like Washington. I don't like the way that they play at times, uh, T.J. Oshie trying to bash skulls, Tom Wilson bashing skulls, Ovechkin at times has done things like that. But I do think that their fans finally get a moment of joy, and Ovechkin is a great player, and I think that it looks a hell of a lot better in the history books one day if that guy's raised the Stanley Cup uh, along with Sidney Crosby having won it a handful of times. I mean, that, that's obviously the, the mile marker for all these superstars of this era or any era. You know, you want to get the championship. And I'm not saying, uh, you know, he needs to go on and win the Stanley Cup this year, but I could certainly see uh, where it's a huge moment for them to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was their Everest, so to speak. Holtby was in that boat. Ovi's in the boat. The coach was in that boat. And to see those guys finally get it, to get it for that fan base, that you could see the way they would clench up and be so worried the moment the Penguins would do anything in this series, even when they had advantages. And that just tells you how tortured they've been. And, I, I, you know, we've seen that with the Penguins. The Penguins haven't always been a perennial playoff team. Yeah, in, in recent years they have, specifically since Sidney Crosby got here. But just think of how it felt to go out early every single year in between 09 and getting back to the playoffs or to the Stanley Cup in 2016. So in terms of being a hockey market, I get it. I, I just, you know... That, that, to me, is their uh, their big moment. I don't know that they're going to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, no. and I'm not going to root for them to win a Stanley Cup anytime soon, but I can give them this one and, and appreciate that moment in their history because they could not get over that hump. And really, it's the first time they've been able to beat the Penguins without Keith Jones on their roster. So they have that going for them because <laughs> Jonesy was having some fun with that on the broadcast going into game one. Brian, explain how this last two-year period has gone for you in terms of appreciating Penguins hockey because – I went into it in the first segment. Watching the Penguins in the X generation, you never knew if it was going to get better. You didn't know if they were going to get sold or if they were going to get moved by the BlackBerry guy. You didn't know the casino deal, all that stuff going down. Uh, And just for Sidney Crosby's Penguins to have won three Stanley Cups, man, it makes it so worth it to have been a Penguins fan through the dark times. No doubt about it. And I think what's 
it's tough for me, and I think I saw you talking about this on Twitter, and I know I heard you mention something on the show earlier today. The fact that people are acting like they're, they've still underachieved. Oh this past God. two years has changed that entire narrative because now, even going back and looking at the full body of work, you mix in all those conference finals. You mix in all the playoff wins. You mix in all those things. There's so much to like in the Sidney Crosby era, and you can say it's the Evgeny Malkin era as well. Those two players came in and have spearheaded what we've witnessed the past two years. Now, I've been a Pittsburgh Penguin follower since uh, Mario Lemieux got here. When I was a wee lad, he's the best salesman anybody could have had for the sport of hockey watching what he did on the ice. So I watched a lot of lean times then, was able to see the Cups in 91-92, watched the disappointment of 93, which is far greater than the disappointment right now because that team was expected to win a third Cup because they were the best team in hockey. But then it started to go downhill, 96 conference final, lose to the Florida Panthers, which was inexplicable. There's disappointment. Why don't you experience that for a moment? Uh, there were the rats flying, Scott Mellendy, all this crap. <laughs> so I, I, I've seen all of that. I've lived through it. And then to get to the point where you see them get back in 08 and 09, after we watched all those tough times, the, the X generation, the evolution, all these tag uh, terms that they put out there to try and sell Penguins hockey. We lived through that in the early 2000s. Mario came back. All that was going on. To see it all culminate in these two cups, PPG Paints Arena, all these things going on around this organization, they've become one of the best franchises in pro sports, not only the National Hockey League. And I'm not only saying that because I work for the radio network here. It, it, it is a situation where they put themselves on the map, and that is a testament to Mario, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and on down through the ranks of that team. And nobody can call them a disappointment after what they've accomplished in the last two years. And you just cannot win the Cup every year. It doesn't work that way. No, uh, they've won three times, and you're really not supposed to do that. Uh, now anything else. I mean, hell, I thought anything after two was gravy because Mario only won two. Well, only. Mario won two. Uh, <laughs> and now, I mean, they still have a window open, I think, for these next couple of years where they've got a legitimate opportunity uh, to do it again. And if they never do it again in the Crosby-Malkin era, well, it was still a success. Uh, Brian, really appreciate you coming on uh, every week, man, throughout the playoffs and even before that, really throughout the entire hockey season. Uh, it's always my pleasure to have you on, and uh, you're a good buddy now, and I appreciate you always doing that. It's it's never a problem. It's my pleasure to join you. I always love our witty banter and our hockey talk here. I'm always available to you, my friend, so anytime you need it, you know where to find me, and uh, it's been a pleasure working with you here and getting to know you over these past few years, and, and let's keep it going. Mets, the Crowley Show family is thinking about you, man. Keep it up. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Enjoy the the rest of the afternoon. I think something terrible, and I will enjoy the rest of my afternoon. I think something terrible happened over the course of that interview, and it and it just struck me. Uh, and I've asked via text for Tom to pull it. Uh, when Brian made his shout out to his deceased uncle, in 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 all seriousness, great sympathy goes out to Metzer and his family. I think Brian got caught in a tough spot. Because Mets made a shout-out. Brian, me. Yes, you. Sorry. Good point. I think La Martina got caught in a tough spot because he wanted to clap for the shout-out. But what happened was it sounds like he's clapping for his uncle having been dead and buried. Give him a shout-out. Uncle Mike Fernesti, we love you. And uh, we just had to bury him today. So I wanted to mention that. Oh, it's, bad. it's right in sync with him saying I, 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 we had I, I, to bury him today. Look, we yeah. had to bury him.
Oh my gosh, Mets! I'm so sorry, man. Like I, I did. Oh. I, look, I, okay. So full disclosure, I'm, we're, I'm doing other work here, you know. So there's other things to be taken care of. So the show's going on. I'm in studio, but I got some things to take care of. So I hear the shout out. I'm not privy to the conversation beforehand that Mets had told you that he had to deal yes. with that today. So I just hear shout out, and we do it once in a while. Something good happens. We do this hey, little, little like, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. So right as I'm doing that, I hear shout out, paying half attention, and then he drops that line. And immediately, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And I kind of looked up at Crowley to see, like, did Crowley notice that? Did anybody notice that? And then I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it did not make it to air, that I was far enough from the mic, because I was doing something, and I'm kind of, like, out of the mic at that point. But it picked it up. And thanks for pulling that and bringing it back, Tom. Appreciate that. We just had to bury him today, so I wanted to mention that. Oh, Matt, I'm so oh, sorry, that's man. terrible. The intention was for the shout-out. Int- we just had to bury him today, so I wanted to mention that. Matt, I owe you beers, whatever. I, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry to your family. I, please, that was not intentional in any way. Up next, on his take of the day. Thanks again for pulling it, by the way, Tom. Appreciate you bringing it back and showing showing it. Other crap. A-hole. And the three stars of the show at ESPN Pittsburgh. We just had to bury him today, so I wanted to mention that. Clapping privilege has been taken away. Don't clap. Yeah, you're not allowed to clap. We're never going to let you clap again on the show. At least for a month. Completely accidental. Hey, guys, my uncle's dead. We just had to bury him today, so I wanted to mention that. I mean, that's an unfortunate accident there. It's nothing more than that, uh, but that is unfortunate to say the least. Look, I'm one of the hardest guys in this building to probably feel bad about something. <laughs> and I genuinely, genuinely, yeah. like my stomach's knotted up right now. I feel so bad. I'm sorry, man. That was not the intention. Not you. I'm apologizing to Matt. Yeah, it didn't offend me at all. It is offensive based on principle. One more time, Tom. We just had to oh, bury him today, so why? I wanted to mention that. Hmm. It's time for the hottest take hmm. of the day. It's horrible. Ben Roethlisberger said, In 2005, Tommy Maddox has been so great in helping me develop. Now he said that he would not help Mason Rudolph because Mason says he doesn't need it. Does Ben think he's going to age like Brady despite never actually taking care of his body? That's the weirdest thing here to me. Uh, Does Ben Roethlisberger think that he's in physical shape of Tom Brady? Here's Ben's shape. Round. Ben can't play five more years. He took such a beating in the early portion of his career. He doesn't work out the way Brady does. He doesn't train the way that Brady does. He doesn't care the way that Brady does. So here's Ben spouting off. And then we're supposed to think, hmm, why shouldn't we be on Ben's side here? Give me a break. Uh, Like Ron Cook, Ben's buddy earlier on in the day, 
He didn't read the room correctly. Steelers fans might disagree with picking a player who's not going to help in the here and now, but I think Steelers fans are smart enough to understand that Ben Roethlisberger's career could be over in the blink of an eye. And for Ben to not give help to Mason Rudolph, it's just the most childish thing a quarterback could do. Uh, Brett Favre was childish. Brady was childish with Garoppolo, even though I think he did teach Garoppolo some things. And Brady's being childish here with Mason Rudolph. There's no doubt about it. Woo! Other crap. A couple faked their son's cancer diagnosis in order to receive $3,000 and a visit to Syracuse football practice. That is shameful. They should have visited basketball practice. Woo! Other crap. Ben Roethlisberger was at the Penguins game last night. I think he heard that Mason Rudolph was going and he couldn't pass up his chance to steal his thunder. Woo! Other crap. Alejandro Villanueva dumped beer all over himself when the Jumbotron cut to him. If Colin Kaepernick would have done it, they'd have booed him. Woo! Other crap. The Pirates play the White Sox tonight. I love White Sox. I used to have all kinds of uses for them. Woo! Other crap. Kuznetsov's goal put a Washington team in the conference final for the first time in 20 years. Hey, finally something was pushed through in D.C. Woo! Other crap. Hey, did you see Forsberg's goal last night? Between the legs. He flipped it in. Woo! Other crap. Johnny Manziel was hospitalized in Texas last night due to prescription drugs. Manziel's back! Woo! Other crap. Did you see LeBron last night? He shot 17% from three this series. Overrated. Woo! Other crap. Nice hairline. Woo! Other crap. This series is a rap. Tours. Woo! Other crap. They're extinct. Woo! Other crap. Worst thing to hit the dinosaur since that comet. Woo! Other crap. Someone's calling. I'm putting them through. Hello. 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 The mountain from Game of Thrones won the world's strongest man title. You think it's the summit of his career? Woo! Other crap. It was a long climb to number one. Woo! Other crap. A dude who won the World Snooker Championship did his press conference naked. I would prefer if his balls stuck in the pockets. Woo! Other crap. When a guy walks into a press conference naked, that's my cue to leave. Woo! Other crap. The Penguins have been Stanley Cup champions for 695 straight days. Woo! Other crap. Pitt basketball hasn't won a conference game in 427 days. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Brian Metzen. 
generally speaking, we, we've been blessed with two Stanley Cups in this city back-to-back, five overall. Nobody else can say they've done that in the salary cap era, and people seem to have lost sight of that. I mean, there's folks talking about taking this season to their graves, which is just, I don't know where that headline even came from. It's something that I wouldn't have said about this team. Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, uh, Devin! Ron Cook's a moron. Yes! I remember when uh, the Steelers hired Mike Tomlin, he was like, <laughs> they only did it because he's black and it's called the Rooney Rule. And I'm like, you really think they're going to just hire anybody because of that, you moron? And then this take right here is just stupid. How could a team, <laughs> would they take it to their graves when they won two Stanley Cups? Love me some Devin. Oh, my. First star. And tonight's first star of the show, Adam Crowley. My wife's grandma, she can sew. And that's just because it's a fact. She had the jersey for me a couple of months ago. Here it comes. So she's going to have to sew together my... Andrew McFlurry <laughs> jersey. McFlurry. <laughs> Mark Andrew McFlurry. That's what I'm going to do. Mark Andrew McFlurry. I got to tweak that out. That's a pretty good line right there. And now a bonus star. And for tonight's bonus star, Brian LaMartina. Give him a shout out. Uncle Mike Bernesti, we love you, and uh, we just had to bury him today, so I wanted to mention that. Oh, it's so bad. I'm not proud of that, Star. Sorry, Matt. That was an accident, everybody. In case you're just tuning in, it was an accident, okay? It's clapping Who let the, the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Tomorrow on the show, Mike Sullivan's not perfect anymore. Well, let's treat him like he is. Also, Will Graves hops on the program. And my grandma! We'll have to find some other stuff other than hockey to talk about. We'll try not to clap about people dying. <sighs> Gonna hold ourselves to a higher standard tomorrow. It's an accident! Hey, let's practice this, okay? Okay. My grandpa died in 2007. No clap. boy. See you tomorrow. No!